Welcome to Everything Is Up, a podcast about the real-life stories of people who have created extraordinary levels of success. These are conversations with people who are constantly striving to take things to the next level. And now, here's your host. Welcome to Everything Is Up with Tamara. Joining me today is Jamie Conrad. Um, welcome, Jamie, and thank you so much for joining us. Um, how are you today? I'm doing great, Tamara. Thanks so much for the invitation to be here. Hey, I'm I'm excited. So you currently are with uh, Trust Radius um, as one of their um, HR professionals. Give me a little background um, on this position um, and your level of expertise. Okay. Well, I have about 16 years of overall HR experience. Uh, most of that was in the healthcare space, working in medical equipment and uh, hospital systems before joining the tech industry, specifically to join the Trust Radius team about two and a half, going on three years ago. Uh, they're a growing tech company and uh, I'm not only a member, but I am the member leading all strategy and doing all the things HR. Uh, so I have I have many hats that I wear in, on a daily workday. Uh, and then I also take pride in my level of involvement in the HR community, both locally uh, as well as online, uh, just trying to amplify the voice of the HR strategy and the HR profession as thought leaders and strategic partners uh, in the executive um, teams and business and corporations, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, I think that that is a valid, valid point that historically HR has been the C-suite tends to just go, yeah, go down the hall to HR. But with the ever turning tide that we are having um, in the really the last five years, I would say with the pivot and shift from COVID to, you know, this hybrid work situation, I think a lot of CEOs are walking down the hall and going, what do we do? And CROs are really becoming a valued partner, I think, in that C-suite space. So um, kudos to you for jumping out here and saying, no, it needs to happen because I 100% agree with you. And I don't know that... Um, most CEOs that I get a chance to talk with, this is an area that they struggle with. They're not, they're not people people. They are typically the strategists, the thought leaders, the visionaries. And for them to have to go, what you want me to what? I mean, is almost frightening um, for them. So talk to me a little bit about the transition from the healthcare space, which we could probably talk for hours about the healthcare space because um, I'm in it to a certain degree. Um, <laughs> but um, that transition from healthcare to the tech space, um, how, how did that come about? Yeah, I was um, I was working in uh, the hospital systems uh, during the pandemic, and uh, we, of course, were facing some of the best and worst of HR that you can you can imagine uh, in that time and was doing well there, enjoying my role uh, as well as the company that I was working with. And I had an amazing HR team or a large corporation. 
I was approached by somebody in my network to think about this idea of moving to the Trust Radius team. They felt like it was something that would really align with my values and and what I was trying to do as an HR leader, uh, as well as the skill set that I had and the needs that the business was facing at that time. And I very respectfully said, wow, that sounds really exciting and interesting, and I'm not interested. I appreciate (laughs) it. But uh, one conversation that I finally gave in on, in on led to several more uh, when I was given the opportunity uh, to join the Trust Radius team. I decided to take it. And I would say that that I have experienced both ends of the HR spectrum, going from healthcare and a highly regulated, lots of rules, uh, you know, you very segregated, uh, you have a lane that you have to stay in or else patients' lives could be at stake, you know, some of those types of ideas, uh, to uh, an industry where they really prefer that there's not any rules or regulations that they have to follow and they want to hear your craziest ideas whenever possible and if something sticks and we can do you know that crazy idea then let's go for it um, right so, that's so the more the more you know progressive and thinking the the louder they want to to, to speak I think and so it's been a very interesting transition. Well, you're not kidding. I mean, that is going from the very highly regulated to a, you know, the tech space anyway. um, We probably wouldn't be where we are as a global. Let's talk AI, right? I mean, we, we probably wouldn't be here if that tech space wasn't constantly pushing the envelope on what, what's next. I mean, to a techie, There's nothing that cannot be done. They just have to figure it out. Correct. And and I love the creativity, the innovation, uh, the call to action. You know, there's no idea that's too big or too crazy or too outlandish or, you know, and and not all of them work, obviously. Um, But they just encourage that on a a daily basis. and, And I've really enjoyed that aspect of it. So I read somewhere that, um, I think it was in an interview that you had done, that you kind of grew up um, a little on the poverty side, and you've really made a name for yourself in this industry. Um, Talk to me a little bit about your childhood. And, you you know, as you you talk about it, um, you know, just in the stuff I've read, there's this is like a very near dear to your heart type thing and um this self-motivation that you have um so give us some background here you know give us a little bit of context for this okay well um I did grow up you know in poverty there's no you know secret about that um you know we uh, moved around a lot. Uh, there wasn't a lot of stability for the early years of my childhood. Uh, and my mom, she's an amazing woman, uh, was a single mom for many of those years. And we did what we needed to do to to make it. And, and I admire uh, the decisions that she made. Even though, you know, they were tough sometimes and and it wasn't it wasn't always easy. 
Um, but there's so much that I learned in that about tenacity and grit and resilience that carried forward for me. Uh, and she set that tone uh, by, you know, instilling that that work ethic uh, and how you look for the best in things, even in the worst of times. <clears throat> and I and I think that that's probably what fuels my desire to, you know, keep trying new things and not let something hold me back. Um, so, you know, whenever I hear somebody say that's not possible, you can't do that, <laughs> challenge accepted, right? Let's <laughs> let's see if that if that's really true or not. And and I think that that is definitely a reflection of my upbringing. Uh, we were very blue collar based. Uh, we were very much in the heart of the Midwest and union uh, influence. And so there's, you know, all of that that is now uh, manifested into me being into being in a role and in, in a profession where I have an opportunity to influence white collar opportunities and white collar thinking and I'm working in a white collar job that I thought I'd never be in um just because you know people like me with no college degrees we don't get those opportunities um and I I just made it my mission not to let my upbringing or the things that others may see as defaults be roadblocks for me so it, hopefully that inspires others to not let their roadblocks or challenges that others tell them they have prevent them from being the best professional or exactly what they want to be with with their career. You know, it's interesting that you presented it in that way, um, because I do think a lot of times and, and, and even in the C-suite, you know, the C-suite just has the tenacity to just be like, I don't, you know, it's part of that personality. Um, however, I think they're still human. And when people start telling you, or it's the perception that this is all you're going to be, you don't have a degree, so you can't do this. And honestly, I think um, we are finding more and more that there are um I'm sure, and you've interviewed them probably a million times, people that have degrees um, and they're literally not happy. And so they're trying to find that joy in their life to, to jump out there and do something. The degree itself is a piece of paper that says I'm teachable, mm -hmm. not a bad thing, right? And I finished what I started. But it doesn't always mean that you're working in the field that you have that degree in because I see it every day. Anytime I'm interviewing for, you know, a position, it's like, here's these college educated individuals that I'm like, if your degree's in psychology, why are you going into healthcare? Like, I, I mean, the question exists, right? right. So I don't, I, I think that our society is putting so much emphasis on the degree, we're forgetting that there are, are people that like you who can take this opportunity and turn it into a, you know, a silver bullet and literally run with it and be this amazing professional. I mean, you're one of the founding members of Hacking HR, right? Am I? Is, yeah. Of their experts council. Yeah. I'm part as, of as an expert council. Speaking. Yeah. And so as an HR professional and talking with other HR professionals, how much of that do you guys see on a daily basis of 
you know, here they are with college degrees, but with no experience in the workforce. I think it's a a, a fine line to walk. Um, I, you know, I, I'd rather see us focus in on what are those skill sets that are necessary? What are those behaviors that are necessary that's going to make somebody uh, be able to thrive in the position that we're hiring for? And, and less about the education or the piece of paper that they may have on the wall. Um, there's so many things changing as rapidly as you can imagine. And we talk about, you know, tech and AI, you know, there's not a college degree for AI. We've got some really successful people in that field right now that are paving the way and, and innovating uh, what that's going to look like in our future. Uh, and they, they're developing those skills as they go and they're learning on the job and they're doing all those things. And, you know, that can manifest in so many amazing outcomes if you let it. But you got to find somebody that's got the right behaviors. You've got to find somebody that's got that desire to be a continuous learner and always expanding. And if you can find those people that are coachable and willing to learn, then they're going to be sponges and they're going to absorb it. So focus in on the skill set and what's needed to be successful rather than maybe the education or even the the high level, you know, experienced employer. Uh, They've got that really classy looking uh, uh, employer on their resume. Does that mean that they're going to be successful in your business? Well, you know, and that's interesting because it brings to mind, uh, you know, me kind of listening, you know, football season's over, right? And I don't know if you're a football fan or not, but it brings to mind where you hear about these professional athletes that are literally demolishing themselves and ripping a team apart with their behavior with within one team. And so they get let go, but they get picked up by another team that they then thrive in and become this incredible asset. Because I think sometimes it's it's also not just about that employee, but I think it's about the team that they sit in also. You yeah, absolutely. There's, you know, something to be said for a dream team that can create a unicorn type of uh, tech story Mm -hmm. Uh, doesn't mean that as individuals, they can go anywhere else and do the same thing. Right. It could be the combination of all the skills that were brought together for that company at that time. Well, um, it made them highly successful. Well, and personalities meshing also, because you can have, you know, you can have the most talented athletes, but if they can't stand each other, they're not going to work together. And that might just be personalities, right? It might be, I'm not working for this coach as hard as I might work for another coach that maybe you feel more valued and respected. And I think that's huge when it comes to this. I told my team yesterday, um, we just hired in two new team members and, you know, I, I equate it to like, okay, we just had a new baby and we're going to bring it home to the family and everybody's going to fight for about the next 30 days. Okay. Yeah. Because everybody wants mommy's attention. Right. I say like, so it's an analogy and I'm like, so here's what it takes. It takes everybody making an honest effort to accept people where they are. And we are still all humans. This whole, well, you know, we're a B2B company. I'm like, no, you're not. 
you're you might be a business with people in it doing business with another company with people in it, but this is you are not B2B. I mean, because you know, you go back and it might sound old school, and I get it all the time, you know, because I'm getting older. <laughs> That's what they keep telling me anyway. Um, so um, but people still do business with people that they like. Period. End of story. But it still goes for teams. If the teams are cohesive, if the teams don't have personality conflicts. I mean, look, I can assure you that there are many people on this planet that do not love Tamara Hollert. And I'm okay with that. Okay. But I mean, that doesn't mean that they're bad or that they're there. They may not just be the right fit Mm -hmm. in the organization. And I love where you're, you know, kind of how you see it because you, I think you see it a lot the same way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's such a critical part of being in a leadership role is, you know, not only recognizing that that that's the case and people do business with people, but thinking about how to get your team collaborating in such a way that those personality differences are less impactful in a negative way and can be used as strengths to pull the team through in a very diversified way of looking at um, solutioning and getting to the business outcomes you're looking for. Uh, to to be strong in, in leadership means to be able to get the best out of the, the cohesion of the team. And so, you know, it takes sometimes bringing in a diverse uh, mindset uh, to, to do that. And you have to be very open as a leader, I think, and just letting the team know that this is the this is why we're adding this addition to the team. These are the strengths that they're bringing to the table, and I can't wait to help them manifest those uh, as we go through it. And we, and I expect everyone to be on board with that. Let's figure out how to best bring them in. Of course, you're going to go through that storming phase where everybody's <laughs> fighting and vying for for attention, uh, but that's just part of being in leadership. Well, and I think it's part of being human. Yeah, Uh, for sure. You know, we've gotten, and and with you being in the tech space now, I mean, we have gotten so tech oriented with everything um, that I, I, and and especially with AI coming into existence, that AI wasn't here. I mean, we sent, we sent a man to the moon with tech. Now it may have not been as good as our cell phones, but we did send a man to the moon with tech. I mean, but AI is a game changer and I worry, I, I, I don't say I worry, I, I'm excited and I am worried. Let me just put it that way, because we put so much emphasis on the tech space and how it simplifies our lives and how it makes things easier. And, and trust me, it really does make my life easier. I get it. Um, but it's not a replacement for humans. It's yeah, it's I, not. I and, agree with that. Well, and we have human tendencies that leaders sometimes just have to be reminded by HR, hey, these are people like they have families and they have kids and their dream when they were five was not to build your business for you. That was not their dream when they were five, right? Um, And But I think we all get so absorbed in the day-to-day that sometimes we forget that. And HR professionals, I think, are the key to reminding all of us that, hey, 
Um, there's people back here. Like, yes, we get the numbers. Yes, we understand the goals, but there's still people back here, right? She's got to go have this baby. It's coming out one way or the other. Like, you know what I mean? Um, and yeah. so when I saw um, your profile and I was like, oh, she's perfect <laughs> for us to have this conversation with. Um, so, you know, we know a little bit about, you know, your childhood now. Um, who, I, I'm going to take a stab. I probably know the answer to this one. Um, but as as you have kind of grown, is there someone in your life that really has been that inspiration for you? Well, definitely my mom. Like I can't, I can't say that enough. Uh, she's just amazing. Um, but I've had the privilege of, of working with some really amazing leaders, uh, and, and partnering with some great mentors along the way that helped me realize things that I didn't even know I needed to realize, hmm. helped me realize and, uh, get a, uh, accustomed to things that I didn't even know existed, um, point out things that were important that I would have never thought about. Uh, and so while uh, my mom, my grandparents, my family values, uh, those have all played a really important part. I, I can't speak highly enough of some of those business leaders that have graced me with their time, their learnings, uh, their wisdom to, to help continue to allow me to grow. Uh, and I think that's probably one of the messages that I think is so important to emerging leaders is find that mentor or those sponsors early in your career if you can and lean into them. They are in it for what's best for you and they want you to be successful and it can make all the difference in the world. You know, that's why we have the podcast, Everything Is Up, because I sometimes think that um, emerging leaders, you know, particularly younger, coming out of school or or maybe they decide not to go to school and they're going to, you know, plow this road ahead of them. Um, they see these uber successful um, individuals and they can be intimidated, right? So it's the podcast, Everything is Up, is so that these emerging leaders can Find those mentors to actually be able to get what you have been so, um, I, how great for you that you had, well, but it's also the wisdom to know that it was in front of you for you to take advantage of. And that's the other thing I think that a lot of people, um, they're, they're afraid, fear. Fear is the thief of all dreams. Is that how that saying goes? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, speaking from my own experience, imposter syndrome, syndrome can play a big part in that. Women, especially, you know, when we think about um, some of the more traditional upbringings that some of us in our late 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s may have may have been led to believe were truth when in reality they may not be. All a lie. Um, it was all a lie to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> so in thinking about some of that, you know, there's there's so many opportunities there for a mentor to come in and help you look at things with clear focus um, that doesn't bring the anxiety or the self-doubt or, you know, some of those things into play. Um, and can help reframe it in a way that 
discredits those emotional bag that emotional baggage that doesn't really exist anyway right um, and it could have been created all in your head so but I'm sure you see that every day I'm I I can just this week sitting here as you were just saying that and um, knowing that I've been interviewing um I I right off the top of my head there are two candidates that literally they have got all the potential in the world, but they don't know it. Yes. Yeah. And if you are in a leadership position and can help somebody blossom in in that, like leave that baggage behind and blossom outside of that, mm-hmm. sky's the limit for those individuals. It is. And I, I will tell you, the older I have gotten, you know, and I, I literally, my staff knows this because I've told this to them a hundred times. I said, I've had employees since I was 32. And when I was 32, I sucked at it. I mean, I was awful, awful. I just didn't know what I was doing. And I didn't have a mentor and I didn't have anybody to help guide me. So I sucked at it. So my apologies to every employee I had a long time ago, because you got the worst of me. Um, But I did find a mentor and I did find someone that, you know, a a business coach or somebody that was able to help me navigate what was important and what my role was. And I know now that my role is to make sure that they leave better than the day they walked in. And, And that is whether it's professional growth or whether it's personal growth. Or maybe it's just connecting them with someone in my contact, you know, in my contact base. So, or in my network, whatever that looks like, because maybe that's what they needed at the time. But I, in the beginning thought, well, I'm the boss. You have to do what I say. And I'm telling you, I really owe all of my past employees a huge apology. Um, because I can promise you that you're not the only leader <laughs> that went through those growing phases as a new leader uh, and uh, maybe came to those realizations. And Well, I know some that have never come to those realizations. I, I do as well, unfortunately. Unfortunately, there are still some of them out there. And I have a long way to go. So don't misunderstand what I'm saying either, because um, every day is a learning opportunity for me because we are dealing with humans. And humans are hard. Oh, I'll tell you, yesterday I liked dogs way more than I liked humans. (laughs) All day yesterday. (laughs) So, but I mean, it is hard because when... You are trying to figure out who you are and you're dealing with another personality um, and they're trying to figure out who they are and you've got to figure out how to work together. It's challenge on and somebody and typically it should be the leader. It should be the visionary that is able to step back and go, what do they need before what I need? And that took that took me a while. I'll just be honest. That did take me a while. Right. Um, So. Um, let's talk about hacking HR. How did you end up um, really being a founding member of hacking HR? And then give us a little um, insight on hacking HR. Well, hacking HR was founded by Enrique, and he is a, an amazing individual that is definitely out to change and reframe the way that HR professionals are viewed. 
the skill sets that HR professionals bring to the table. And he has been on a quest for multiple years now to make, and that seems to be his mission uh, in life. And, and I encourage him and support him. Uh, he prides himself on a very global diversified outlook uh, that leans into the strategy of how HR can influence as people leaders and business strategists. Yeah. Uh, and he opened up his network. Uh, you know, I, he had come across my network many years ago when he first started. And uh, I thought it was really interesting, but it was so ingrained in like some of the things that were happening. I didn't have a chance to get involved when he opened up the opportunity for to start the experts panel and uh, the the experts council, it was something that I definitely wanted to be a part of, uh, and that is geared toward up leveling other HR professionals and being a, a voice in the HR community about what HR can be. Um, and so, in that spirit of continuous learning and mentorship and guidance and sponsorship. Uh, approaching HR in a different way that it's not just an administrative task that needs to be done in the background. It should be fully ingrained in the business practices and the strategy of the business going forward. Strategic. Well, I will tell you, um, I made this crazy leap um, about a year ago that I just thought I needed to go back and get my master's and get my MBA. And so, um, interestingly enough, one of the classes, one of the undergraduate classes that I had to take was. Um, law, employment law. Okay. Cause I didn't have it. And, um, cause my degree is not even in business, it's in psychology. So I was less like, okay, I'm going to have to pick up some of these undergraduate classes to kind of help push me forward. And employment law was one of them. And I will tell you, um, <laughs> and I said this to my, my, my mentor counselor yesterday or the day before, I just literally, I was like, this is going to be an easy class. This is this is a no-brainer. This is not a big deal. And um, I went through and ran a couple of pre-assessment tests. And I was like, okay, I'm ready for the you know assessment. I'm I'm fine, right? Well, I failed it, and I was pissed. <laughs> I'm like, what? And I was just like, but I got cocky, right? I'm like, well, I've had employees, you know. But then we got into all this case law and Title Seven, and it, I was just like, okay, I thought I knew it. Yeah. But how many other CEOs don't really know? And when we lean on HR, you know, how many HR really know all that employment law? Because I have an employee benefits consulting firm. And with that employee benefits consulting firm, I do a lot of consulting with the C-suite on what the employee benefits are. And you've got all your HIPAA laws. You, you have all of the, like, you know, you're coming from healthcare. So you, you understand. And if they don't have a top-notch HR, guess who's helping with HR? Like, I've got a group where I said, hey, what is the status on this FMLA? Well, what is FMLA? I'm like, what? You have 75 <laughs> employees. What are you talking about? Right? I mean, and so I there's a lot, a lot of employers um, probably in the same spot I was in. I mean, trust me, I have schooled myself in the last 48 hours. I will not fail that test again. And I will know these case laws. But I mean, the reality is, 
if you are not leveling, especially within HR, like you guys that are HR experts and your professionals, if you guys are not stepping in and leveling up some of these younger individuals that are kind of being thrown, because here's the reality. They're hiring somebody because they need an HR person and they're like, you're cute. You come do HR for me. I mean, honestly. And then they jump into HR and then they're like, like what? You know, and then all of a sudden, they're trying to do their job the best that they can. And they are really people, people, which is kind of a start because you you have to like people to do HR. Um, so preferably, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but some of these, some, if not many, people that start in HR were thrown into that role without the background that they needed or the skill set that they needed. They were just filling a need for an employer. Mm-hmm. Do you see that uh, too? Very common. Uh, and one of the the icebreaker topics at every HR table is, so how'd you get started in HR? Because <laughs> yeah. right? yeah. everybody's got a story and majority of people will say, well, I kind of fell into it. And here's you know what happened. Um, not very many people are at the table with a college degree in human resources or uh, a, a deliberate, uh, I wanted to be in HR. It was right. very few people. Um, and so, yes, what you're saying is absolutely true. You know, there's uh, a lot of HR professionals that got into it because they were the best darn administrative assistant that their company had and they could get tasks completed um, even if they didn't have the knowledge on what was behind some of those tasks they were still able to check those boxes yeah but HR Um, is so much more than task oriented like what you've been saying all along is this we should be sitting as part of the business strategy because well, let's just go back to COVID when we had this massive shift when employees said, I'm going home and I'm not coming back, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then then employers were like, what? I mean, it's been a really long time since the business world had employees dictating to the employers. It's been a long time since mm-hmm. that happened. And for it to hit everybody in the middle of this crisis where everybody was trying to figure that piece out, and then all of a sudden we don't have any employees to help navigate any of this, that shift, HR is more than task-oriented, and you have been saying that for a while now. Yes, and I think it's important for as many of us as possible that have been given the opportunity to have a voice when it comes to business strategy to continue to preach it at every opportunity that we have. Uh, And part of that is because there is a a shift in um, how CEOs and other executives are starting to see HR. Uh, You know, Sapien Insights report has been tracking HR impact for a long time. And this is the first year that we hit a milestone of 50% of CEOs saying that they see their HR leader as a strategic partner. We're mm. only 50% there, but we're 50% but there we're 50%, finally. Yeah. And we had the most increase in the last three years, mostly because 
we were leaned on as a profession to figure out a return to work strategy or figure out how we're going to keep people safe or, you know, how are we going to retain our employees in a time of uncertainty? And then you throw on, you know, global unrest and war overseas and, you know, all of these other things that just keep coming up in our in our political world, uh, you know, the social side of things and how we're responding diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging initiatives that come up in some conversations and not others. There's a whole aspect that is important to understand the employment law. Yeah. But it's also really important to understand that these are human beings that we're talking about. And if you treat your human beings that have decided to grace you with their, as being their, yeah, as being their, uh, your employee, then respect that. Right. And there's a mutually beneficial opportunity there, and it should be mutually beneficial. And there's an aspect of being aware of these are the employment laws that are happening. And most of them are because employers were treating employees like crap for a long time. And so we had to create laws that make it better and to, you know. And I'm not an advocate of laws. I don't I don't want to be told what to do. I don't want to some of those things. Right. But that's the that's the basis of, of why that's there. And so as HR professionals, I do think it's important to continue to keep your skill set up to speed and up to date. And that includes understanding case studies and employment law. But it also involves the psychology of these yes. are human beings and they have mental health issues and they have well-being needs and they have financial anxieties and there's a whole aspect of them as an employee that's on the human side and not just on how they're going to show up uh, and influence your business. You know, that is hard for number of visionary employers and CEOs. It's hard for, for us. It just is because we are looking at the challenges of how much money it takes, right, to make sure those paychecks are there um, on payday so that they can take care of their families and they can't do it alone either. So, I mean, you can see where how dynamic this conversation is and why I wanted you on this podcast <laughs> to be able to, to bring more of this to light. I think it's huge. And I am so grateful that um, you have given us as much time as you have to discuss this conversation. So, Jamie, tell our listeners how they can reach best ways to get in touch with you, reach out to you um, if they had, you know, wanted to take this conversation a little bit further or maybe you can help them. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm very active on LinkedIn. That's probably the easiest way uh, to find me. All of my contact information is public. Uh, I'm very much uh, an open book and and open to conversations um, and would love to, to continue the conversation and help where I can. I think you will be a fantastic mentor to an up and coming HR professional that is looking for that right person. I think you would be the perfect person to to help them. So everyone, yeah, absolutely. So everyone, this is Jamie Conrad um, with um, Trust 
radius, right? Trust radius. Sure. Yep. Um, and you can reach out to her on LinkedIn. It's J-A-M-Y. So it is a little bit different. So if you're looking for her on LinkedIn, it's J-A-M-Y and that's Conrad. Thank you, Jamie, so much. This conversation was enlightening, if if anything, and much success to you. Um, stay in touch. Appreciate it. Thanks so much for the opportunity. You bet. Have a great day. Yep. Bye, everybody. This is Tamara with Everything Is Up. Make sure you share and like the podcast. We appreciate you guys. Have a good week. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Everything Is Up. Be sure to appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get updates as new episodes become available. And remember, everything is up. <laughs>